This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. Yes, it's your favorite time of the week. It's a new episode of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, joined by my fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Bradsby. And, um... Yeah, I think last week I said that this week we were going to get back to WNBA coverage, which um kind of, sort of, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> However, we are still talking girls and women's basketball. One thing Tariq and I promised you guys was that this summer we would cover some off topics. And what I mean by that is we usually go straight WNBA all through the summer, but because our goal is co- to connect all levels of the game, we wanted to incorporate recruiting. We're going to talk a little bit at some point down the line about um, apparel companies for, for women's and girls basketball. Like We've got all kinds of stuff planned. So this episode, we are going off the court once again, and it, it's going to be a great one. First and foremost, it's July. So what do we associate with July? And that's recruiting. Um, there'll be hundreds of thousands of girls basketball players hitting the hardwood in search of some fun, but many of them in search of a college scholarship and lots of coaches out in the month of July. We are grateful to have Brett McCormick from the All-Star Girls Report joining us to give us some of the scoop on July, on recruiting, on how it all works. Now, this is just the start of a conversation that we hope to continue to have. But Brett is very respected in this space, and we're grateful for his time. We also have on the show Robin Harris of Model Altier. And I'm probably saying that incorrectly. I but think, I think you nailed it this time. I think I, I, I think, think I've nailed, nailed it, it too. I think I've nailed it too. But um, Robin owns a company that specializes in make, making luxury clothing for tall women. So a lot of the styles that you see your favorite WNBA player wearing, um, Robin is responsible for that. She's created an outstanding company. So we're excited to have Robin. And then last but not least... Tariq and I's favorite segment of the summer is our Growing the Game Spotlight. And we have a familiar face, a man that has done so much for women's basketball at every level. David Siegel is going to join us. And you may not know him by that name. (laughs) Dishon Swish is probably what you know. So he's joined the show. Sit back, relax. We will be back next week. Um, with more WNBA coverage, just so you guys know, all-star voting is open. The MVP race is heating up. The Minnesota Lynx are back. Brianna Stewart may or may not be the front runner for MVP right now. Um, lots going on in the WNBA space. So we hope that you are checking out our ESPN women's basketball site and also ESPNW for the latest. Um, but let's jump into the episode. One thing that Tarika and I talked about uh, for this season of Around the Rim is spreading the love. Um, yes, we want to talk about what's happening with the WNBA, but we want to keep the conversation going with college girls basketball, with girls high school basketball, to try to connect all levels of the game. And, and right now we have a very special guest as coaches and, and players of, of AAU girls basketball are, are headed into July. It's an important time of year. So we want to bring an expert into the show because Tariq and I are no expert. Please join me in welcoming from All-Star Girls Report, none other than Brett McCormick. Welcome to the show, Brett. 
Hey, thanks for having me, LaChina. I'm very excited and uh, I really admire and uh, from a distance of what you do and uh, what you do for women's basketball. Well, thank you so much. And we say the same about you. Um, It it was just overwhelming, you know, when I talked to a couple of, of my friends in the business about, you know, having this segment. So many of them mentioned your name as someone that I should definitely get on the show. So we are honored. Um, Let me start with just your background. Give fans an idea of what your path has been around the game um, that has gotten you to this point. Um, I always just keep it pretty simple from the standpoint of I've been on it on a lot of different sides. Like I was a, uh, I was a college, small college player myself. Then I, um, I was a men's and women's college coach. I was actually a referee for 14 years, and now I do scouting. So I have like a kind of a different outlook on things based on my experiences that I've uh, done throughout the years. Yeah, that officiating piece really makes you special because you've been on the sideline and had maybe some complaints as a coach, but then also could rationalize some of those calls as an official. Not many, very many people can say that. So that's definitely a cool aspect. So um, tell us, you know, your your title is talent evaluator and publisher um, of the All-Star Girls Report. And I know you evaluated you evaluate 5,000 players yearly, probably more than that. You're also a McDonald's voter, uh, a player of the year a voter for the Naismith Trophy. Um, you wear a lot of hats, but give us an idea of what your day-to-day is like and, and what your touch points are in girls' basketball. Well, let's see. Well, basically, that's that's the hard part. The, the easy part is going out, I think, and evaluating, but then I have to come back and – and type in all that information. That's what takes the time. And now with the Twitter and the other stuff going on, that 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 kills several hours a day if you if you want it to. So it kind of it kind of makes it it tough. Like like I said, we actually have a recruiting app now. Um, you can only access it by iPhone or iPad. You can't use a regular desktop or laptop computer anymore. And uh, but that's what the coaches the, that takes the scouting service. That's what they, or that's what the information they get. So um, it's like I said, you just go, you start out. Like I go uh, this Thursday going to Indianapolis, so I'll probably be in the gym from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. probably, or maybe longer. And you just, what I do is I kind of go from court to court. I have that ability to be able to go from court to court, where some people have to sit there and watch. And I'm not saying that you can size everybody up, but I'm pretty good at it now since I've done it quite a while of of sizing a player up in a certain amount of time. And, of course, sometimes when you go back and see them, you see other things they can do. But um, I do a lot of it by feel, actually. So I'll let you move on from there. Hmm, That's a good place to start, by feel. So (laughs) when you are out evaluating, what kind of consistent things come up um, that separate some of the higher level girls basketball players from some that may not have D one potential. Um, a, a lot of times, I think you've always heard you say people with athleticism. See, I think the game, the game was a. Uh, that's what I always say. I can't pinpoint when it was ten years ago. We became even with the men's NBA, and then when they started playing in the Olympics. We started becoming an athletic type player, and we kind of lost our skill set. 
And then I, I remember college coaches saying, like, especially on the women's side, that they'd say, well, she's a good system player and she can shoot, pass, and dribble, and she's very fundamental, but she can't create her own shot. So in comes all these cones. <laughs> and that's when now people can handle the ball and dribble off 14 cones. But I say the two worst things kids do now, they can't shoot and they can't pass. And the reason they can't shoot is they don't work on shooting, believe it or not. And number two, they don't have to learn how to pass because we kind of went to a five out. And people, so one person monopolizes the ball and the other four people stand around. So you really don't have to be like if you're a post player you don't really get the ball that much and if you are open they can't get you the ball if there's any kind of pressure on them because they don't know how to feed the post or they don't understand passing angles things like that oh my gosh you just hit on so many things i mean iso ball has definitely taken over no one can Mm -hmm. make a post entry pass from what i've seen and let's not let's not forget to add to that the teams that players are coming to the college level and don't know how to play man-to-man defense because they've been playing zone yep. and haven't been taught the concept of you, the ball, then the man, you know, like that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's so frustrating. Um, well, ball me, man, excuse me, before some coaches end up hitting me on, on Twitter. But you, <laughs> let me ask you this, since you've been evaluating for so long, where is girls basketball right now in terms of, um, just the talent from where we've come from to where we are? I think the talent's really gone up in the last 10 or 15 years. Like, if you think back to the WNBA, when it first started, you had Cynthia Cooper and all these people that were great players, but they were like 35 years old, weren't they? Or in their 30s when they started mm-hmm. the league. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they were the best players. And all along, coming up from the late 90s, now there's there's a ton of talent, you know, like the you know like the Asia Wilsons and people that come out that are just so talented now that they can come in the league and make an impact. And for 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 a while, when we had when the league first started, the the people that were coming in the league, I don't think were making that much of an impact. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so I think I think the game, you know, is is I think it's changed and it's changed again. Like I said, it was athletic. Now I hear coaches talk about they want more high-character kids, and they want kids that are what they call uh, uh, fundamental kids. In other words, they can shoot, pass, and dribble. Um, and they're not getting as caught up that if she if she's just a half-step slow, uh, you know, but she's a great shooter and she understands the game, she's high IQ, we still might take her. Whereas before they'd say, well, she's a half-step slow. But I have a lot of different sayings, or I try to get people to think outside the box, not saying that they're wrong and I'm right. But just like I'll give you an example, like a coach called up one day and they said, hey, Brett, do you know any Do you know any wings? We need a wing. I said, oh, yeah, I know a bunch of them. And I go, I got this one girl. She's six foot. She can play the two. She can play the three. And she can play the four. She's very versatile, inside, outside, shoot the three, do everything. They go, but no, no, we need a wing. And I go, well, she is a wing. Okay, but she can play the two, three, and the four. Also, it's like when I recruited, I tried to recruit kids that 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 can play multiple positions because the game has become a positionless game anyway. I always think you got to have a point guard, but other than that, it's a positionless game, and you can fill them in how you want. But there's still some coaches that think like that, and so after I try to tell them something for a couple of times, if they don't buy in, I don't get mad. I just say, okay, you know, you can look at her as a wing if you want. But I just wanted to tell you right. that she had that versatility. And, <laughs> that she's and, got and other like skills. That. 
Yes. No, that's in the position of basketball is so interesting because so many of my friends, you know, and I, and I was a late bloomer, but we remember if we were the tallest player on the team, no matter if that meant you were 5'8 or 5'9 or 6'4, you were designated as a post player. So right. you probably weren't in those ball handling drills that everybody's doing now. Um, you had your back to the basket. And then as everyone grew or as the teams got bigger, you were then too small to play in the post and so we had a lot of players that used to get lost in the shuffle in that way but you know it, it I take I use DePaul as the perfect exactly what you're saying Brett I've watched Doug Bruno I, I don't know the last time he's gotten a McDonald's All-American I don't know if he's ever had one right but there are certain That's things right. he's looking for in the player you have to be able to pass and shoot those are the first two things I always say if you can't shoot because I call lots of college basketball games and even though Basketball is a game of shooting the ball in the basket. There are players that cannot shoot. Can you imagine that? And, but you, <laughs> yep. can't play, you can't play for DePaul. Nonetheless, when you look at the programs that have been to the NCAA tournament consistently over the last 15 or 16 years, DePaul is right there amongst the, the Yukons and the Oklahomas and the Tennessees and the Notre Dames. They're there. But that's because Doug understands how to to create a system, right? And what his system right. takes is shooters and fundamentally sound players. And everyone can win with fundamentals. But anyway, I will I will get off my high horse on that. But to that point, Brett, what exactly when it comes to these AAU programs? Because one of my gripes this summer has been AAU isn't teaching our players anything. They're not getting better as people. They're not, you know, ready to play when they get to Division One level. There's a whole lot of money being spent out here, and we'll get that to that in a minute. But what are you seeing in terms of what makes a quality AAU program, and how can parents select? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll give you a couple of examples. I live in northern Kentucky, but, like, there's a bunch of Ohio AAU teams. But mm-hmm. um, two two of the teams, this will help to solidify, solidify my point. Uh, it's called Sports City U, and the other one's the Cincinnati Angels. And the coaches mm-hmm. are very boisterous coaches. They, they, they have actual practices like college practices. They run them like college practices, and they actually run their teams like a college program. So if you can get into something like that, when you get to college, the transition is going to be very easy. And, th- and there's others out there too, but those are just two that right off the top of my head. And mm-hmm. in the last few years, you're talking about AAU teams. I tell parents all the time when they ask me about AAU teams, I go if you're if you're looking to find an AAU team, my advice to them is don't get caught up in what shoe company they're with or whatever they are. I would go try out with four or five of them, okay, mm-hmm. and see mm-hmm. how you fit in with them, and then mm-hmm. then make your decision based on what's good for you and your family of which AAU team fits fits your family, and that's the one you should play on, not because now they're you- all five going to tell you that they're the best and that you should go right. play on my team. But that's what you should do. Then you can t- gather all your information, just like choosing the school, figure out the pros and the cons and which one best fits you, and then go play on that team. That's what I always suggest. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like that suggestion of trying different teams. You know, one of my concerns is do co- do the parents know what they're looking for? So if they do go to five practices, right, do the parents mm-hmm. really know what exactly they're looking for from a v- development standpoint? I can tell you, number one, my mother would have gone to pra- five practices with me and she would have said, I want you to play for this coach. And she would have had some reasons why she likes that coach. Yeah. You know, they, they get along. She would have had no idea from a developmental aspect, if they wanted me to play point guard, five guard, if, um, you know, they have already said I'm not going to play at all. My mother didn't. I mean, she wanted she was interested in the opportunity for me to get a free education, but she didn't really know what she was looking at or looking for. And the same thing happened in my transition to college. It was like and that's the next point, the two points I want to get to. And I know Tariq is going to make me get off in a second. But um, you mentioned apparel companies. And then also I want to talk about finding a college and what happens how it happens in recruiting that so many players seem to find the wrong fit. But um, my mother, she she did everything. I mean, she was an educator. She is an educator. So she, from an education standpoint, I went to Wake Forest. She read the entire contract, understood the terms of, of my recruitment, all that stuff, but did not get the basketball part. Um, so when it comes to this process, Brett, and, and let me start, actually, let me go back because you mentioned apparel companies. Well, we see what's happening, right? All the scandals, Adidas, all that. The first thing people say, is this happening on the women's side? Is it happening? And how big of a role are the apparel companies playing in the decisions with AAU girls basketball? Um, I don't think near as much on the women's side because the, the, because there's no, don't take this the wrong way. There's probably, there's no woman that they're going to pay a million dollars. Okay. You know, right. like you can tell the, you know, to be a basketball player. You know, that's just the way it is. And uh, so I'm not saying that people don't don't cheat and do certain things behind the scenes, sort of like, but it's like Adidas is not giving some schools so much money to sign Asia Wilson or whatever, you know, or something right. like that when right. she came out. I, I just don't, right. don't really think that, that happens. It's, it's just more on the men's side because – you know, like look at LeBron James. He just signed a new contract for what, 152 million or whatever it was. Uh, and you know, everybody knew when he was coming out, he was going to be worth a lot of money. So um, mm-hmm. that that's that's kind of a difference there, I think. So I don't I don't think that happens near as much on the women's side. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, I it's just interesting because I don't really know when some people were telling me, oh, this happens all the time. You know, this whole phenomenon of kids relocating high schools to go to a different school and parents moving to different districts to get their kids on certain high school teams and the AAU teams yeah, having control over. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, they do that. And 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 here's another thing. I got all kinds of, of things that I tell people and put, parents ask me this. Like they'll they'll ask me they'll go hey my daughter can go to Alpha you know go to uh, whatever Woodstock High School in Georgia okay and let, I'm not talking about their program but let's say but the basketball's not good but the academics is through the roof or I can go to this other school down here near Atlanta where the basketball is bad I mean where the basketball is good but the academics is bad okay what would you do I always tell them choose the academic school. And the reason I say that is, is because it doesn't matter if you're one of the best players in the country, like an Asia Wilson, I keep referring to her. She didn't have that many college coaches come through her high school when she plays during the high school season. 
You know what I mean? There's some that come through, but they're busy trying to win games, the college coaches. So you get most of your exposure through AAU. So go ahead and get that great education and don't worry about the basketball as much. And and then, uh, you know, get your, get your, you know, your great degree and it'll prepare you for the rest of your life. And don't worry about the basketball because you may only have 10 coaches come through your high school the whole year to watch you play. You might go to one AAU game and have 100 coaches at one game. Mm, yeah, and that's the other thing I we we're not going to have time to get to, but I wanted yeah. to talk about um, July events and and actually let's let's talk about that. I'll just end on that. I was going to ask you about the whole transfer thing and how we can help yeah. high school players get a better fit at the college level, but we'll have to have you back to have that discussion. But sure. um, what are yeah. some tournaments in 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 July or what's happening? Who are the some of the top players that you'll have your eyes on uh, coming up? Um, I don't know. It's it's so much. It's not so much like like with me. What I do is I go out and watch the top kids, and I, I've I've got a lot of them identified, and I still try mm-hmm. to watch them play. But I have a saying. I'm I'm more of the. Uh, uh, you know how, like, more like ESPN, they only more cater to the top 150 or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, in football, men's basketball, do whatever. But see, when you go like women's basketball, um, I have ki- I have like 2,000 kids just in the class of 2018, and I'd say probably 1,200 of them or more could probably be mid D1 or better type kids. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I just I just think that I, I always have a saying: I'm looking for new blood. So I try to go, you know, there are certain teams that people know about that have great players, and I watch them play. But I'm always looking to find that new up-and-coming star, let's say, so to speak. Like I was in Chicago in February, and I, and, uh, I, saw, uh, I saw a young kid there who's a 2026 fourth grader, okay? And you're going like, this is crazy when I tell wow. coaches this. And um, she was playing with sixth graders, and she was probably the best player on the floor. And they go, well, how can that be? And I go, well, what I liked about her was when she came down on the break and it was one on three, she pulled it over to the side and did what you're supposed to do and didn't try to go through three people and throw it up. And she she was a great passer. She was shooting threes four feet behind the line, no problem. And then mm-hmm. so then I thought, hmm, this is interesting. Let's see what she does defensively. Next time they came down the court, she's sitting in a stance at midcourt waiting on her girl in the fourth grade. What? <laughs> I'm serious. What? And so I thought, wow. And then I met her dad after the game, and he's her coach. She's she's out of uh, out of Iowa, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. it was like I was just amazed at at that the, the decision making that she didn't try to do too much, and she was already about five foot four, you know, mm-hmm. at the time. But um, her name was Jenica Lewis, actually, and she's mm-hmm. from Grimes, Iowa. And, wow. Uh, so, so I'm looking for kids like that. And see, the, the difference, too, I will tell you this, because I know we don't have much time. The difference within, like I was talking about, LeBron James. You can see a lot of men's players at a young age, and you know they're going to be big time, and they're going to they're going to make a lot of money. And there's a lot of girls' players at a young age that are really good, but sometimes they tend to level off. And what I've noticed mm-hmm. with the really young kids is, a lot of times the kids that are most successful at the younger ages are the ones that are already physically stronger and more athletic. They might not mm-hmm. be as skilled, 
than than the other players that like let's say in the fourth grade and fifth grade and sixth grade and then what tends to happen is like they might be a 510 post player let's say in the fifth grade so but then what happens is the skilled kids once they reach their growth potential when they get in ninth grade and the tenth grade they tend to pass them up because the yeah. other kid doesn't get any better skill wise and and the other kid keeps getting better skill wise but then when they hit their growth and get stronger and get taller, then they pass them by. Yep, you meet that athleticism, and oh boy, doesn't that change it? <laughs> yeah, it does, and then doesn't it hurts people like you. It. So. Doesn't that change it? Uh, thank you so much, Brad. We we can't even thank you enough for this. This is just getting us started on this conversation. And we have so much more we'd love to talk to you about. We will definitely have you back on. Um, good luck mm-hmm. this summer and in July. And thank you for all the work you're doing to develop our game. Yep, and thanks for having me on. Call anytime. We'll we'll talk about the the transfers, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, and uh, like I said, thanks thanks for what you guys do. It's it's really good. People need to pay attention to you. You're a great role model. Uh, I like I like all about positive. You're all about positive, and you really have a true, uh, you know, you're a true human being that you really want to help others. And you always don't find that. You don't make it about yourself. And uh, you just always radiate that smile and do do a Super job. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brad. We appreciate your kind words. That really, re- really means a lot from someone who has such a respected reputation. Thank you so much. And we'll we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Have a great day. <laughs> All right. You Thank you. All right, fans, stay right where you are because coming up after the half, we will have a conversation with the CEO, founder, creator of Model Alta, and that is none other than Robin Harris. Now, this company is the premier outfitter, brand, stylist, designer, all of that for the WNBA Players Association. Major news. Um, so stay right where you are, but also remember, you can download, subscribe, comment review we appreciate all of your listening and your support of around the rim stay right where you are we've got more in a moment all right basketball fans and as i mentioned earlier on we are taking it off of the court uh at least away from the wnba from a x and o standpoint in this episode to talk about some different things some different aspects of what's happening and I am really, really excited about our next guest because if you're paying attention at all, you will see that fashion is a huge part of what WNBA players are into these days. They look fashionable when they're showing up to games, to events. They're all about their their sneakers on the court. So a lot of what they are doing uh, these days, other than bouncing the basketball, is about what they're wearing. And right now, I would love for you guys to put your hands together for the creator, the founder, the all that anthem, the the Robin Harris of Model Atelier. Did I say that right? Yes, you said it right. Thank you so much for that warm welcome. I am so happy to be talking about what we're up to. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. We are so excited to have you. So for our fans that are listening, um, Model Atelier, and I'm sure I'm going to say that 10 different ways while we're on here, but it's a luxury design house exclusively for the tall, strong, and confident woman. It was created by Ford Model, that's Robin, turned designer Robin (laughs) Harris, who works together with an in-house design team to produce the finest clothing, content, and 
style for tall women. So if you saw Candace Parker at the NBA Awards, <laughs> you have seen Robin's work. Robin, tell us a little bit about how you went from a Ford model to owning this beautiful brand. Yeah, for sure. So modeling um, in my earlier days was my everything. I was a full-time professional international model, and I fell out of love with it, LaChina. I fell out of love with it. I mean, I used to eat, sleep, breathe, live modeling. So once I fell out of love with it, I had to do some deep research and say, okay, well, what else am I capable of? What else am I passionate about? And when I realized that, first of all, I'm capable of anything, I could do it all through Christ who strengthens me. I know. <laughs> um, I, 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 I said, okay, I still want to be in a fashion world. I love it. I love fashion. I love, I love fashion. So um, coupling, or coupling, pardon me, coupling my passion with fashion. And I had just graduated also after I fell out of love with modeling with my um, master's in international business. I decided to become a fashion designer. So with that, I had to do even more deep research to say, okay, there are thousands of fashion designers out there. Um, what's going to make you stand out? And I said, you know what? I, I myself have a hard time finding well-made clothes to fit my frame. Um, as a model back in the day, they definitely fit us. They fit all of us because that's that's what they made. They made the samples to fit the models. But after you stepped off of the runways, that same fit and even quality or brand, they didn't make it for the tall woman. So that's when I said, you know what, this is a void that needs to be filled, and I'm definitely going to tap into it. I'll tell you this. Okay. Your clothes are fire. Like these, I'm, I was looking today at the website. I'm like, these clothes are beautiful. And you mentioned you've got your MBA and people don't understand. It's not just about like designing clothes and looking nice. I mean, you were a model designer. You yeah. have to be a merchandiser, a creative director. There's so much that goes into it. And by the, by the way, how tall are you? I am six feet one, six foot yes, one and with no heels. Yes, I am tall. I, I love it because, listen, this is a problem. Like, this is a real problem. I'm six foot four. And I can remember growing up, everything my mother would buy me in the stores looked like um, I was 60 years old because I was taller. Yeah. I had yeah. outgrown the kids section, the girls section. And so I had to shop in women's. But who wanted to look like a granny? <laughs> At 14 years old. And so there were just, and still today, people don't understand. I don't like to go into stores to shop because I already know uh, there's nothing in there that's going to fit me, right? Uh, um, and so uh, this was so much needed. So the way that I first saw your work was through the WNBA. What made the WNBA partnership? I know you work with LA and Chicago. We'll get into yeah. Stephanie Dolson and how all that. But what made you want to work with the WNBA? Sure. So for me, I knew that there are already tall brands that existed. And coupling my my um, education with, okay, how are you really going to separate yourself from the existing tall brands out there? Who are you going to attract? And I started with the WNBA. I pitched to the WNBA, Chicago Sky, to be um, specific. I said, hey, I have something that I think your organization could benefit from. 
and my product would increase or help um, the personal image and branding of your executives and of your players. So once I pitched that and, you know, we had to do some talking back and forth and they seen the website and then they also, um, a few of the players I was already kind of, you know, um, dressing already after they vouched for, for the quality of work and um, the brand, it just, it just took off from there. But I definitely had to say, okay, hey, how is Model Atelier going to stand out from existing tall brands that's out mm-hmm. there? And I'm here in Chicago. How are you going to really make some noise? And, and that's, that's what I did. I pitched it, and it, and it worked. <laughs> that is such a great <laughs> idea. And I, I don't think enough um, companies take advantage of these beautiful, um, charismatic, brilliant, driven I mean, there are more role models in the WNBA that I could ever round up with all the friends that I've met throughout my life, right? Oh, my God. Like, yes. they, they are already there. And yeah. so many of them have an interest in fashion. What kind of things have you done so far? I know Stephanie Dolson did an internship with you. And, again, I mentioned you dressing Candace Parker. I've seen you do an entire shoot with the Chicago Sky. What kind of um, things have yeah. you done with the WNBA? Yeah, so, well, I'll say this. Most recently, I just signed, or Model Atelier just signed a contract with the entire Players Association. So the WNBA. Congratulations! Thank That's you, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so that was extremely major to us. So with that comes me being able to really hone in on what um, individual styles of the players, what they want. Uh, Model Atelier, we definitely, you know, like to love the red carpet and love gowns and jumpsuits and all that. But um, we like to personalize and build wardrobe for these players when they go out in public, you know, and speak or, you know, go on um, on red carpets and things like that. So to sign that contract was huge. And then one of the things that you mentioned already, I, um, I, we selected Stephanie Delson to be an intern with us, and she's seen it all. I mean, she's seen how much goes into um, creative directing, into designing, into uh, traveling. She traveled with me to California um, for our confidence line in Macy's, and for me, that was that was everything. I mean, I learned so much from Stephanie, and she learned a lot from the brand. She actually worked hand-in-hand hand with me. Um, I thought that that was great. I thought that, that that spoke measures to why we do what we do. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. if I mentioned, but I love to celebrate tall women. So, LaChina, I cannot wait to, like, dress every inch of your six-foot-four frame, right? The Dana look, problem, I am all over this, okay? I'm already, I've already picked out this Dana look was made just for me. I'm already on it. I'm trying to make sure that she comes up with a kid's line because my 11-year-old is already like 5'8". And she's so tall and it's so tough to get things for her at at that size, you know, so. That's a good good direction to go in because one thing that attracted me on your website is I kept seeing the word confidence and we all Mm -hmm. know that, you know, young girls and your line is for, for grown women, but. You know, uh-huh. young girls often struggle with this. I struggled with this. I mean, my self-esteem was so low as a kid. I was like, listen, I wear a size 
13 shoe. Uh, my pants okay. are all high waters. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't. Mm-hmm. So to Tamika's point, what advice would you give parents of, of tall girls? How can they help the confidence piece or where can they shop? Yeah, no. Well, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. The Model Atelier brand, we have a brand called Confidence Apparel. And that yes. stemmed from me having the lack of confidence growing up. And I wanted to pay it forward, first of all, and, and share, hey, no matter if you're tall, small, plus size, average size, skinny thick, if what they call it now these days, own it. And have the confidence, you know, to walk with your head held high and love yourself as you are. Now, what I will say is, you guys, this actually made me. Now I'm, I'm spilling the beans right now. Okay, <laughs> this is this this is about to go out there. Uh, my team were designing a mommy and me look for a particular WNBA player, and I believe that will allow us to tap into the market of moms who have daughters that are, you know, that are taller. Um, I myself am a mom, and I have a three-year-old daughter, and my husband, he's he's very tall, too. And my daughter, she already looks like she's six or five, um, and that's because of her height. So with us designing for the player and putting it out there, we believe that that is the direction that we're going to go. In in the future, Um, designing a lot of mommy and me looks or just looks for, you know, tall young girls in general. Um, At the end of the day, Model Atelier is here to stay. We want to be a household brand, household name. And um, why not just dress the entire family? Nine times out of ten, if you're tall and you have kids, they're going to be tall too. So my advice would be rock with us for a little while longer and we would definitely – um, end up dressing your daughter or your son um, because we we can relate to that. Um, I think that's that is so great because the whole WNBA players and being moms, what a great thing for them to be able to share with their daughters um, the importance of fashion. I know I'm going to be looking forward to because again, my kid is looks like she's 15 and she's 11 and it's tough mm. like and I and I've already kind of in my head have my thoughts and my wheels turning on what WNBA player this could be because we have some awesome moms in the WNBA and I can imagine yeah. a few of them wanting to do something like this for their kid because my mind is thinking mm-hmm. Candace Parker but okay I could be wrong <laughs> um. I mean you know I can't I can say who it is I mean I'm sure we'll probably end up posting it on social media but that is that's the part that I could say we get ready to see a mommy and me design on on a WNBA player very soon. Uh, before we let you go, Robin, are there other endeavors? I know that you're now, can I call you the official, what do I call you, the official <laughs> designer of the WNBA Players Association? Or what's, what's your title there? And are you working with other, other teams or organizations? Yeah, for sure. So you can call me the premier fashion with the WNBPA. Um, yeah, so I'm the premier fashion partner. I'm the go-to designer for all the players. And we are definitely tapping to other markets. So soccer, volleyball, um, anywhere where there is a tall athletic frame, um, I believe next year we're going to go um, and check out the European leagues for um, overseas. So 
We are definitely just tapping into the, I, I won't say the forgotten, but the, the ones that nobody is, is not necessarily paying attention to. We want to help and celebrate and make women look good who are trailblazing and working just as hard as men. They should look, um, they should definitely look good doing it. So, yes. Yeah, that's important. I mean, and I, and I think that's what fashion is, right? It adds to the, the, your brand, just how you look, yeah. how you feel about yourself, yeah. how other people perceive you. I just think this work is so awesome. Um, it, and again, for me as a tall woman, it just means so much. So hopefully, I know I learned a lot and hopefully our parents of, of young girls learned a lot. And um, congratulations. I, I really think it's cool what you're doing with the Players Association. Um, and, and so basically, if I was Candace Parker and I have an event, I just call you up and you and you pick out clothes, <laughs> right? Like you fit, you outfit yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. If if you were Candace Parker, um, you you would either have a stylist call me or you call me and we talk. We say, Hey, what does your year look like? What is what uh, what appearances do you have? Okay, how how what vibes do you wanna give off? And then I will put together some looks and then we'll kinda go from there and then I will make a complete wardrobe package for from A to Z. Wow. I love it. Girl, I may be calling you. And shout out to Shira Eli, who is Candace <laughs> yes. Parker. Shira Eli Gash, who I know oh, you partnered with for with Candace's look. Um, she's oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, she's what a, a great stylist. Yeah, yeah, she dresses a lot of the coaches and players. <laughs> just really quickly, I, I would just love to ask, you know, what advice would you give um, anyone that is looking to get into fashion, to starting their own fashion line and to, you know, marketing their, their, their clothing to, to companies and to businesses? And, you know, what, what, what kind of advice would you give someone that's fresh trying to get into this industry? Sure, for sure. Um, first of all, love what you do. And be able to hone in on your pitch. Um, I am always excited when I'm talking about either model atelier or confidence apparel because I have a passion for it. So when people see that you have a passion for what you do and they can understand exactly what it is that you do, you pitch it to the right people who believe in what you're doing or believe in you. Um, The sky is the limit, really. So, Definitely be passionate about it. I'm sure they already are, or they wouldn't be doing it. And um, and hone in on the pitch. And and also stick to what it is you say you're going to do. And that's just to, to yourself, not even to, like, investors or anything like that. But if you say you're going to do something, make sure you stick, stick to it. Like, hold yourself accountable. Because as an entrepreneur, you don't have anybody over your head, so to speak, to tell you, what to do so you have to be um disciplined that's what i'm trying to say be disciplined let the people know where they can find you social media website where can we go um to to get more information on you and get more information on model atelier sure so um you can follow us at model atelier on facebook and instagram that's m-o-d-e-l a-T-E-L-I-E-R, or you can definitely shop online at shopmodelatelier.com. That's S-H-O-P-M-O-D-E-L-A-T-E-L-I-E-R.com, Shop Model Atelier. Or the confidence line, pardon me, that is shop-confidence.com. And, um, yeah, we, we're very excited to 
to continue to do what we do and, and have fashion, you know, be more than clothes. It, it, it celebrates people and, and who they are. Robin, thank you so much. We um, know where to find you. We will send fans to to check out your site and all the great work you're doing. And um, just your attitude. Thank you for being you and doing it the way you do it. We appreciate you for joining us on Around the Rim. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you ladies. I don't want to go, but thank you so much. This has been a really great conversation. And um, I hope we get a chance to address both you ladies and your daughter, Karika. Uh, Yay! Model Atelier or Confidence. Thanks again. Thank you so much. All right, women's basketball fans, we are back with our Growing the Game segment, as you guys know. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, this is our segment where we are highlighting those who are doing their part to help grow the game of women's basketball. And we started off our season bringing in some new voices, some faces, and some names that you may not have been familiar with. But today, we're going to bring in somebody that I think we've all become familiar with. Um, he, at one point, hosted Dishon and Swishin' Podcast. Now he's doing Suncast, which is the official podcast of the Connecticut Sun. So we're excited to bring in uh, David Siegel. Hi, Dave. Hi, how are you? Wonderful. We're happy to have yes. you. Yes. <laughs> we are it's so excited to have you, Dave. We were, um, Dave, Dave and I were just talking offline for the fans about the first time I was on his Dishing and Swishing podcast, and it was probably back in like 2008, which was my first year with the Dream, um, and when I really officially started covering the WNBA. But Dave, you've been an integral part of growing our game, of keeping fans up to speed on what's happening, of just bringing a lot of pride to women's basketball. But take us back to what first attracted you to the sport. How did you get into it? Well, you know, it, it was impossible to live in the state of Connecticut in the mid-90s and not read about UConn women's basketball. And, you know, my daughter was born in March of 1995. So it was perfect time coinciding with Rebecca Lobo and the run for the Huskies to the undefeated season. And yep. you know, it, we just started watching it. And, of course, you know, when you have a newborn, you find yourself finding all kinds of things to do and watch. And <laughs> uh, that was part of it. And we just got into it from the beginning of that success. And there was just so much more to grow, especially when you have a daughter that you want to expose to role models. How aware are you that even at that point, having a newborn, you knew that these women that you were watching would be great role models? I mean, that is that's amazing, you know, because I feel like it's often missed on WNBA players just how great of role models they truly are. And it, it, and honestly, your daughter doesn't have to like basketball; she doesn't have to play basketball. As as women, as leaders, as entrepreneurs. As, you know, advocates, uh, the women in our league are definitely the best. So this is this is an interesting thing that I'd like to get your take on. What we hear all the time is there's a lot of casual women's basketball fans, but not a lot of dedicated, committed women's basketball fans. How did you go from, hey, this is going to be something that I can provide for my daughter and that's entertaining to I actually want to work to to grow this sport? Well, you know, I started with watching, like I said, the UConn on television. We had the, the good fortune of having the UConn games all on Connecticut Public Television at the time. So we saw these things. And as my daughter started to get a little bit older and got into, you know, some of the, the school ages and such, 
she started to understand the game a little bit more and started to ask some questions. And then, you know, we were for, we were fortunate to to get the Connecticut Sun here, and you know, we were able to take her out of school that day for when they first announced it. And she had met Sue Bird and Teresa Weatherspoon and, you know, all of these people. And she was just wide-eyed at these people. And, you know, it just grew from there. I mean, you know, I started with a, as a parent. And, you know, people asked me to be a guest as a, as a casual fan at first on, radio, on uh, talk radio. And, you know, it, it just developed. I was a season ticket holder for the, for the Sun. And, you know, we went down to New Orleans to see the, spent a vacation at the Final Four, where that's where my daughter met Lindsay Whalen and Elena Beard and Tamika Catchings, who are still three of her great heroes. And, you know, it's been fantastic ever since. Wow. And, and how did the Dish and Swish podcast um, come along? Well, you know, at one point there was a dearth of, information being passed out on women's basketball. There wasn't a lot. And uh, they, the idea of women's sports talk radio was around online. And uh, they asked me at that point that I want to consider hosting a, a radio show, which was done, you know, not pre-taped. It was done live at the time. And we started to do that. And that sort of faded away as uh, different things happened and the podcast started to come out and it just seemed like a natural evolution that, you know, I took on my own and, you know, I, I really, it was wanting to be like shoot around with Beth and Debbie was, you know, the, the precursor to all of this. They were the best. Mm-hmm. I remember those. I used, I'd never miss an episode. I can tell you about some of my favorite, the cocktail napkin. I still remember the Skylar Diggins episode. Um, Around the Rim is definitely, if not for Beth and Debbie's podcast, Shoot Around, or without Dish and Swish. So we, we are so grateful. Um, You know, Dish and Swish with David Siegel is something that I know I grew up in the league with once I got into media. So, And we're going to talk about Suncast in a moment. Matter of fact, let's talk about Suncast. Mm-hmm. So sure. w- tell the fans everything that you're doing now. Well, there's a, you know, what had happened was, you know, this, this has always been a labor of love for me. Uh, I've never taken a dime to do any of the podcasts or writing or doing any of the things I've done. So, you know, I, I, which means that I have a real job, so to speak. And things just have gotten crazier and crazier with that. And we reached a point where dishing and swishing was just becoming very, very hard to do because it's not the recording or the editing, as you guys know. It's the getting the guests and making the phone calls yes. and making sure you get everybody lined up and working around people's schedules. And when you're trying to work a real nine-to-five, that becomes really, really difficult. So, yep. so, I came, so I actually approached the Sun and suggested, what about the idea of doing a weekly podcast on their own website? Because more than anything else, I was looking to justify my seat at a media table. I love going to the games. I love talking to the players and the people and the co-write and the journalists and the fans and all of that. And I wanted it to continue. And, you know, Amber Cox is one of the most forward thinking people out there with the WNBA. And they are doing so much on social media. They had the, the wonderful YouTube series that they started at the beginning of the season. They're so active with their, their 
all-star came campaigns. Last year we had the grandmas, and this year we've got, you know, Miller's 12. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love it. Amber's yeah, they the best. Just, they were willing to go that way. And they said yes. And, you know, we've been having fun with it ever since. It, it's it's tough when you're trying to do all of that on your own, because even with LaChina and I, with LaChina being a host, me playing the role as a producer sometimes, we both have to, like, fill in each other's roles from time to time and trying to schedule guests and trying to come up with the uh, rundown for the show and the topics and then scheduling when she's busy. I can only imagine having to do that by yourself. You know, some... You know, you get a person like a Don Staley or somebody who always will accommodate anything that you want to do anytime. You know, they, there are certain organizations, you know, Duke Women's Basketball, for example, if I was stuck for somebody, I could always count on them to give me a guest. But, you know, there are others that don't take that same type of approach sometimes, and they're a lot more difficult to pin down and get a hold of. And, you know, you run into the issues of, like you said, about time and trying to get it done and cancellations and you know, it gets to be very, very difficult. Yeah, it could be challenging. But I think one thing you mentioned, Dave, and I, and I have so much respect for you, for so many others, is that it was a labor. It's a labor of love. You know, a lot of the things that you've done to help grow our sport, to cover women's basketball, have been, um, you know, oftentimes out of your own pocket. Right? You're you're spending more money to cover the sport than you make, and I don't think people understand that. You know, um, because the NFL, the NBA, the college sports, people are paid to cover. Well, there are not a lot of paid opportunities in women's basketball on the media side. And so, you know, whether it's covering your own travel, which both you and I have done. I mean, I tell people all the time, I mean, I, I host this podcast um, for about as much as I might spend on dinner. And yes, I do. I, I do eat a, a pretty hefty meal, but you know what I'm saying? I have like, been to dinner with Latina. Nope, this is true. Nope. <laughs> no one's right. No one's out here. And I'm sitting in my closet right now in my room. So, you know, it, it is not the glory of it. That's not why we do this. We do this because... These women deserve it, right? The game deserves it. The coaches deserve it. And we love it. And that's why we do it. And Dave, one thing I wanted to get from you while we have you here, um, you have a lot of great ideas. I, if for the, those that are not following Dave on um, Twitter, please do. He's at Dish in Swish. That's just the letter N. Uh, but you have a lot of great ideas on how we can grow the game. For someone who's listening to this podcast, what kind of things need to happen for us to see women's basketball grow and be what you and I and Tarika know it can be? Well, you know, some of it is the commonsensical stuff. You know, there has to be more investment in marketing uh, to the to the local markets, getting people to come out and, and try and put people in the seats to improve sponsorships. You know, the, the president has done a great job with the sponsorships, but I, I wonder sometimes about you know, how effective getting, the, getting people in the seats are. But the other thing is the people that are involved need to support the other people. I think, the, and that's both the fans and the other contributors. You need to, to, on social media, you need to click on links. You need to like, not just like, but retweet other people's articles and things like that. And, and you need to, the more you pass it on to different people, the more someone else will see it. You're starting to see more people in the mainstream markets. You get some of these, you know, online periodicals, you know, like the undefeated and such 
have some women's basketball coverage. And, you know, as long as the people that care continue to care and not isolate themselves, which you've seen so many times in years gone by, in my opinion, then things will continue to grow. I think that the Mm -hmm. Players Association is going to be key to this, though. It's going to be a really tough situation when it comes to the next collective bargaining agreement with salaries and such. But the game is not at a point where, in my opinion, it can afford a shutdown. So, Mm. yeah, there's going to be a fine line there that they're going to have to walk. And I have to admit, if I wanted to have somebody walk that line, it would be NECA as my president. That's for sure. Oh, my gosh. Isn't she amazing? Happy birthday, NECA, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> she's tremendous yeah no she's outstanding and you know I, I often feel like David we get so excited when when people come into the fold of coverage whether that's oh the undefeated has done something or oh Forbes has done something that uh, it's often the feeling that people who are in the grind every day are taken for granted often right because we do want to grow the sport but we also want to appreciate the people that have been there and i know when i came to twitter i was so happy to find this a collective group of obsessed women's basketball fans because that's what i was right like we hold each other up every day it's hey, what's going on here? Let me go to, I know I can go to your Twitter feed. I know I can go to Hoop feed. I know I can go to ESPN Women's Basketball. I know the places I can go to get news on this on this sport. Uh, but it, it's definitely something where um, I feel oftentimes it's taken for granted. So I want to thank you for everything that you have done, continue to do. I mean, you're on top of everything. Uh, I, I sometimes, and you know how it is, there's a million games going on. I'm like, okay, I need to go actually try to do something, live a little bit of life so I can have a beautiful daughter like Dave one day. You know, I try to get away from it here and there, but you seem to just be on top of everything. And I know that's not easy to do. Uh, before we let you go, I ask you about Connecticut because you are so close uh, with the program. You just dropped a fire uh, conversation on Suncast with uh, Jasmine Thomas, who's one of my favorite, favorite players of all time. But um, the Sun are struggling a little bit and they're on a monster of a road swing. Is it Alyssa Thomas? Is she that important or is it just this young team having to play some tough games on the road? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Alyssa Thomas <laughs> yes, yes, is, definitely, yes. is definitely a, a huge part of it. You know, she—I don't think people realize how important she is to this team, just in terms of you know being able to rebound and run the break and get out there and crash the boards, all the things that she does. You know, people look at some of the, some of her you know awkward shots or her now shooting foul shots with the other hand, and uh, you know think, don't realize that she is that spectacular a player. This road trip is, has been an absolute is ridiculous to me that they went out west, came back home for one game, and then go back out west. I, I mean that that kind of travel. I understand the need for these big road trips, but at least put something in in the Midwest or something. Don't send them back to Seattle twice in a row. So you know, I think a lot of it has to do with that. Now Courtney Williams is out for some personal reasons. That's hurting the team as well, and. You know, it is a, it's a young team. They are still integrating Janae back into the, into the fold and people are adjusting and yeah, it's not easy. You know, I, I think that, you know, there are times where coach Miller wants to rip his hair out. 
uh, with some of the things he's seeing. I mean, the last game, he uh, it was like watching a hockey game, the way he kept su- subbing in whole lines because he was getting so aggravated with the ones that are on the court. Oh, yeah. When I saw Kalina Muscata Lewis get a wide-open three, I was like, oh, this is not good. You don't <laughs> go under the screen on Kalina Muscata Lewis, which are, exactly. you know, I mean, those are just exactly. things where that team is usually buttoned up. But when you have pieces moving in and out of the lineup, um, you know, it, it, the chemistry is off because we were super excited about this team just a few weeks ago. It was like, oh, my gosh, they've got the best record in the league. And all of a sudden, this major tumble happened. And yeah. it's a long season, as we've seen with the Minnesota Lynx. You can bounce back, but it's 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 a little concerning, you know, when you have a younger team. Minnesota's a veteran team. They know how to fight through things. So I'm eager to see um, how this you know, all comes together for them. But Dave, please let us know, let the fans know we are definitely going to click. We know we're going to listen to Suncast, try to retweet everyone out there a little bit more fans. Um, But how else can we support and where can we find you? Well, you can always find me on Twitter. Like you said, with addition swish, Uh, that's probably the best place. Uh, You know, one thing that we didn't mention that uh, I'd like to just add on is part of the growing the game is the Daily Fantasy is, I think, doing wonders to get people involved. And, and yes. actually, I, be, I mean, I even belong to a, uh, we've got a good little uh, Slack chat group with people that are always asking questions, and there are a couple of people that are in there that I know, I know are now huge fans, going to games, buying merchandise, and, and this just came from playing Daily Fantasy and then watching the games and saying, "Wow, yep. you know, one one just went to Vegas to see the Aces play." Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so so I think that if that stays and continues to be emphasized as a point of growth, that will also continue to help break down some of the barriers and get some of the people that the league has been wanting to uh, try and get more involved in the marketing and watching the games. You are absolutely correct with that. I'm heavy into daily fantasy and with so many of the states now um, encouraging legal gambling and sports, um, I think that the WNBA really is going to benefit because there's always going to be somebody who wants to get money. And even if they aren't fans when they start, they definitely could become fans by the time, you know, they're watching the games. So awesome. Yeah, yes. thank you for sharing that because that's not something we often and we may end up needing, Tarika, we'll make a note of that, doing maybe a segment on the show about the fantasy because I'll be honest with you, I don't totally get it, how it works, you know, all of those different things. So we, we definitely may revisit that. Um, well, Dave, it's... you are the best. We appreciate you. We are grateful for you. I hope that the next time I am in Connecticut, you're somewhere around. Um, we do keep we missing each other. Miss each other. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We seem to always miss each other. But uh, we're just grateful for you and thankful for, for all that you do. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, you guys definitely have the best podcast around these days because you do cover so many different topics from so many different perspectives. And that's something that I know as a fan of the game. I mean, even just the other guests that you've had on this show 
are so broad spectrum. It's phenomenal. Thank you for all oh, you do. Thank you. Thank well, you. thank you. Well, you left a slot open for us to, <laughs> you say we're the best podcast around. You helped us a little bit when you um, left Dish and Swish. So we're, we've got our eyes on Suncast because <laughs> we know that you're coming up right now. I was like, oh gosh, now Dave's got another podcast. No, I'm just kidding. We're all, we are not competing. We are all uh, just trying to bring more eyes and, and more respect to the game. So thank exactly. you. That means a lot to us from someone who does it the right way. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. All right, fans, that's going to be it for this week's Around the Rim. Thank you once again to Brett McCormick, to Robin Harris, and of course, to Dave Siegel for joining us this week. We are going to get back to our usual Around the Rim. I know we've been saying that for two weeks, but we really are going to do it this time <laughs> coming up. Um, please make sure you are following us at Around the Rim Pod on Twitter. You can also follow me individually at SheKnowSports underscore. You can follow LaChina at LaChina Robinson. Hashtag Around the Rim. Send us an email. We love to hear your thoughts about the show. We love to hear your pitches for topics. And we love to hear the things that are important to you in the world of women's basketball. So send us that email. And that is at Around the Rim Podcast at gmail.com. Looking forward to hearing from you guys. Looking forward to next week. Um, talk to you guys later. Peace out. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.